Okay. Okay. There you go. Uh, now here, the recording is in progress. So I want to pick it up with James chapter two and uh, starting in verse 14. And <coughs> we're going to work our way through the rest of this chapter. Uh, you'll remember that I mentioned, uh, I, I wish that I had come up with this. I didn't. It was Warren Wiersbe. I'll give him credit uh, for the fact that he calls there are three types of faith from verse 14 through the end of this chapter. He talks about a dead faith, a demonic faith, and a, uh, a, dyna a dynamic faith. Uh, and uh, obviously, the, the, our goal is to have a dynamic faith. So we're going to recap just a little bit of, of uh, verses 14 through 16 and then get into uh, which is uh, the dead faith. And then we'll get into hopefully today uh, the demonic faith. Um, some interesting perspectives as we go through that and compare what demons know, believe, etc. as compared to how we respond. And uh, so we'll, we'll take a look at that, hopefully, Lord willing, before the end of our, our time together here. So let's start reading in chapter uh, 2 of James and starting in verse 14 and maybe go through the end of the chapter here. So what good is it, uh, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, dead. But some say, uh, <coughs> excuse me, some say, uh, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith uh, without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you, uh, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You know this is that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures uh, the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as a righteousness. And he is called the, God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them in a different direction. As the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. All right. We'll see if we can get how far we get today. So I wanted to just talk about um, this idea and just wrap it up a little bit about uh, uh, the idea of faith without deeds, uh, without works is dead. Um, so often the, the way that this is said in, uh, in the Greek reminds me of the fact that there was a, a, another writer of, of that time frame, Epicletus who uh, used the term dead in the same way that I think that James is using it here, in, in which he's basically saying it's useless. Your faith without deeds is not necessarily dead in the sense that it's not going to happen. It's say, He's saying it's useless. Um, faith by itself means that for the profession of just a, simply a, a religious belief apart from any merciful acts is not going to make it. Um, I think it was Calvin that said this. He said he believed in salvation by faith alone, yet not alone. Uh, 
And the idea in that is that uh, solitary faith by itself, uh, just believing something is not necessarily make it that you're a, a believer. Uh, that's, that is perhaps not enough. Uh, it's what happens as a result of your belief that becomes important. Uh, one writer put it that it was ambiguous faith is the problem that James was uh, confronting. He talked about the fact that in chapter one, we're talking about a double-minded man uh, and that, uh, you know, don't believe if you're double-minded that God's going to help you. Uh, this is now we're talking about someone who is uh, self-deceiving himself by saying that he's, he's a believer, but doesn't do anything. At best, he's lukewarm. Um, it's, uh, uh, this deadness of faith is not the same as what Paul is saying when he says you were dead in your transgressions and sin in Ephesians. Uh, James uses the term dead uh, as it means it's a special metaphor of the spirit compared to the body. Uh, it, it would be like this, uh, in in theological perspective, from a Jewish perspective, the idea that a body uh, is not alive unless the soul is with it. The body is just a, a, uh, an, an empty vessel. It does not function without a soul. And he's saying in the same way that, that, that uh, if you have faith without deeds, it's like having a, a body without a soul is the implication he's making here. Now, it makes perfect sense to a, a first century Jew. For us, we start. We might struggle a little bit with it, but that's the point that they're trying to make. What good is faith without deeds? And, you know, the, a couple of questions we won't necessarily answer because I'm trying to get on to the rest of this passage, but we'll probably discuss it maybe a little on Thursday. Can authentic faith find expression and confession of the right doctrine alone? Can, in other words, can you just say, I believe, and you, and you quote the creed, is that enough? Or is there more to it? Can authentic faith be expressed merely as a sentiment that never reaches the point of action? Is it, you know, I just feel warm and fuzzy about something? Is that enough? Or does God demand that as a result of that, that we do something with it? Or is it by necessity of faith that goes beyond these that includes an action is the question that, that we need to ask ourselves. In other words, the issue is not not just not just here is the point. It's not just moral. It's also soteriological. Remember what soteriology is? It's the blood of Christ, basically. Yeah. It's talking salvation. about our salvation, which comes yeah. through the blood of Christ. That's right. So when he says believers, my brothers, you know, in verses of one and, and verses fourteen of chapter two, he's talking about people. Who, are, who have eternal life, and it's not an issue of whether or not they're believers. It's, a, it's a, an issue of what are they doing with their lives. And again, we talked about this just a little bit, about the idea that uh, just like the Greek word that is translated, uh, uh, um, trans, uh, um, de, uh, tests, trials, tribulation, uh, is, also, is, is similar to the word that, in the Greek word that's translated either deeds or works. In Romans 11, the word is translated works. Here, uh, the NIV scholars have chosen to translate it deeds. Now, remember, in the King James, it, does, it basically says that it's uh, the same word. So it depends on how it's used. And, and the, the translators in the NIV tried to be particularly careful 
about giving it a different twist so we understood that it was it meant something different in the application. It'd be kind of like the idea of remember the word aloha in in Hawaiian means hello. Uh, it means uh, um, you know, wishing you well, it also kind of indicates uh, almost like a love. It's got multiple meanings depending on how it's used in a sentence. Um, <clears throat> and so it is true with certain other words that we run into from time to time. Now I want to talk about, <clears throat> just for a second, this idea of uh, James is talking about faith that requires deeds. Look at, if, if you want to look at this passage, you can look at it in Luke chapter 3 verses 7 through 14. This is John the Baptist. And uh, he is talking to the crowd, and he's specifically talking to uh, some of the leaders of the, of, the, uh, of the temple. And here's what he says, all mankind will see God's salvation. That's in verse 6. In verse 7, it says, John said to the crowd coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then verse 8 is the one that I'm looking for here. Produce faith in keeping with repentance. And do not begin by uh, to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So the axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What shall we do then, said the crowd. <clears throat> and uh, said, answered, a man with two tunics should share with him who has none. A man, uh, the one who has food, should share, uh, should do the same. The tax collectors should, who also came to be baptized said, teacher, they said, what should we do? Here's what he said. Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. And then to some of the soldiers, he said, what should we do? He says, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Wow. Wow. So apparently the idea of, of the fact that because you make a change in your life and what you believe indicates there should be change in how you act. Jesus did this when he talked and remember we talked to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes out of the house and says, not only do I, I give back everything that I, that I did wrong, everything I stole, but I, I give back more, which I think scripture says double. And he gave back, what was it, three or four times that amount? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was serious about what he did. Has there been a change in your life? I guess is the question. Has there been a change? Faith not accompanied by actions is dead. Remember, we talked about this. We said that, Amen. that um, <clears throat> the way that when we looked at, at the passage out of Matthew, but it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it talks about the parable of the sower and the seed. Just because the seed germinates does not mean that it's really taken fully taken root. Why? Well, how do you know that whether your seed is good? Well, how do you know that it's it's truly growing? It, well, it has to grow and it has to produce fruit. And we talked about that at least last week, and I handed out a, a chart on uh, what is spiritual fruit, uh, and hopefully that was of help to you guys. So. Notice that James is not denying that, that these things are faith. He simply says that it's not the right kind of faith. It's not a living faith. And as a result, it probably can't save you. In fact, some say, uh, and this is verse 18 and, and following, says, some say you have deeds, uh, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
just we're getting into demonic faith. Now, it's interesting that when, G, when James here says, you believe there's one God, what is he saying? What does that remind you of? Something from the Old Testament. Say Deuteronomy 6, if you're looking. Hero of Israel, the Lord God is one God. Yeah, mm -hmm. Shema. The Shema. He's talking about the great, the great uh, pronouncement that there is only one God. They're, that they are mono, monotheistic. Unlike the rest of the, the countries around them, the rest of the nations around them, they believe in one God. Guess what? The demons believe in one God as well. Just because you believe there's one God isn't enough to save you. Let's look at, in recent years, we've become, and especially our brothers and sisters in the charismatic movement, they have been much more aware of the fact that there's demonic activity going on a lot um, and and sometimes the rest of the evangelical movement tends to ignore it and like anything I'm sure that there are times when they're uh, they abuse that that thought process but it is true that there are a lot of demonic activity and we just choose as most of us as evangelicals choose to not recognize it so here's the interesting thing um, it, doesn't it come as a shock that that demons have faith as well? What do they believe? They believe that there that there is an existence of God. By the way, did you know that did you know that there are no atheist demons? There are no agnostic demons. Mm. Only humans are that category. That problem. <laughs> demons do not are not agnostic and they are not atheists. They know that there is a God. Hmm. But that's knowledge. Yes. Yeah. It's not the saving knowledge. No, but they have faith that there is a God. What else do they right. believe? They believe the existence of God. They, they believe in the deity of Christ. Yeah. In, in, in Mark chapter 2, three verse 11 whenever the this evil spirit saw him they fell down before him and they cried out you are the son of god they knew who jesus was it wasn't a right. surprise they know who jesus is they know that jesus christ is the son of god so they know that, that they know about the trinity they believe in the judgment of god too oh yeah they believe in the existence of a place of judgment in, in, in luke chapter 8 those demons begged him not to repeatedly, not to order them to go into the abyss, not to be cast into the abyss, where a lot of they, there are already demons in the abyss. And the sad she, part was that they knew even their ends. Oh yeah, how yeah, we ends they, they for them? In the existence of punishment, and they knew what they were, they were what they could have end up being in. Hmm. They also recognized that Jesus was their judge. Think about that. Think about going before the judge and say, I don't really care. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care that you have the power right. to throw me in the abyss. I don't care that you have the power to throw me ultimately into hell. In, this is the story of the, 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 uh, the man who was possessed by the demons in, uh, uh, in the, the Decapolis area, which is on the East side of the uh, of the Sea of Galilee and what would be considered the Gentile area, they went across yeah. the lake. And this is in Mark chapter five, verses one through thirteen. 
he says in Mark chapter 5, 1 through 13, he says, they went across the lake into the region of Gesserinus, and Jesus got out of the boat, and a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he cried out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he fell down on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God you won't torture me. Jesus said to the man, "Come!" I said to him, "Come out of this man, you evil spirit!" And then Jesus said, "What is your name?" "My name is Legion," he replied, "for we are many." And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. And a large herd of pigs were feeding in a nearby hillside. And the demon begged Jesus, "Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them." He gave them permission. Think about that. He also is able to control demons. Hmm. Worry about demons. I worry about the person who has control of demons. Just saying. Yeah. And the evil spirits came out and went to the pigs and the herd. About 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Notice they also submit to the power of his word. They'll do whatever he says to do. Notice that here's another thought. They It says in James 2.19, it says that they shudder what is that they're emotional they not only believe but they tremble they are they believe with their emotions but it's still not enough to save them it's not a saving experience to believe and to tremble a person can be enlightened in his mind which giuseppe referred to knowledge and even stirred in his heart emotionally worked up and still lose and still be lost forever. True saving faith has to involve more. Something that can be seen and recognized. In other words, a changed life. Which is what James is saying when he says, show me your work, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith because of my works or because of my deeds. How does a person show his faith without works? Can a dead sinner perform good works? We have to exercise. We have to exercise our faith. Yes, yes, and 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 by the way, don't expect your faith to be really strong when you first start exercising it. For those of us who have have been in a gym in times past, kind of like Rich go there on the treadmill, <laughs> um, you know, you don't start out being able to do what he's doing. He's been doing this for man forty five minutes. Rick, I don't know about you. <laughs> you didn't start that way, did you? I bet you were lucky to get 10 or 15 minutes in when you first started. But now it's becoming, how can you do that? Because you are exercising your faith. You're exercising your muscles. And therefore, it, the point I'm say, saying is we need to exercise our faith. It starts out small. But as we exercise it, as we use it, it gets stronger. Being a Christian involves not only just trusting God, but living, trusting Christ, but also living for him. You received life, and then you're supposed to reveal that life in others, to others. All right. 
here's a here's a thought when we talk about deeds and um, not and not doing deeds it kind of reminds me and not all not everyone does this in a church and i think kensington probably is one of the best churches i've seen to do this to not do what i'm going to describe and that is simply this we there are churches i've been in that think that you hire a pastor to do the work of the ministry it's their job to go uh, uh, witness to people. It's their God, job to bring people to the Lord. It's their job to visit people in, in the hospitals. It's their job to add whatever it is you think they need to do. Cut the, the grass in the church. Take care of uh, the maintenance of the church. Uh, clean the church, etc. I've known pastors that they, they did all of that because that's what they were expected to do. And they thought that the people of the church thought that they were doing the job by simply just telling the, the pastor to go do the, all the work of the ministry. Is that the way it's supposed to be? What is mm -hmm. Kensington include, it encourages to get involved in ministry? And, and other churches are doing that too. And the more that we do that, you know, I, I, I was at a church and for, for a long time, one church specifically, and some of the folks that have come from that church that since then have, have gone on to other churches that I've had a chance to talk to said to me, but they know an awful lot about the Bible. They've yeah, got yeah. the knowledge. They were never challenged to apply what they mm -hmm. learned. They just sit in the pews. They come every Sunday. They do the job. They, they, pay, the, they pay the ministers to do all that. Well, that's what we pay the ministers for. They disavow personal responsibility to act mercifully to others that are in need. Well, what gives, what gives me great joy, yesterday, for instance, this brother had two knee replacement, so he cannot do much, but he helped me, and we served. And he was refreshed in his heart that we were able to help somebody. It's not boasting. I boast all in the Lord that allows me still to be able to serve in some manner. And I think that's what uh, fulfill um, the call of God in each one of us, you know. That's what I'm, I'm grateful always. Uh, not to puff you, to puff anybody up. I cannot do it by myself, simple. Or Baal cannot do it by himself, you know. And if we rejoice or talk about it, it's to encourage one another to press forward and to have a, a living faith, a real, true living faith. Yeah, yeah. See, um, James equates faith without works with mirrors. It's just simply assent to the truth of God's existence is mm -hmm. not enough. You got to put, yeah. you got to put some shoe leather to it. Right. And um, I, I'm. I'm amazed at, uh, th think of it this way, Philippians, Paul says in Philippians 2.12, he says to work out your own salvation. Amen. The idea is not that we're doing work in order to get saved, but we're working as we learn that we are called to do things. Then we should work out or prove, if you will, our own salvation. We exist by doing good works and God says, "I'm, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Can you imagine getting to heaven and, and God has nothing good to say about you other than the fact, well, you made it. <laughs> you made it. Still there. I mean, what the heck? Yeah. Versus to, to, to be able to walk into heaven and, and for him to say, well done. Well done. You ever had your, you ever had, you know, someone who was really important to you, whether it was a mentor, uh, a parent, whatever, and you did something and you got praise from them. How did that make you feel? You know. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah it made you feel great. Fantastic. Your things were like, okay, cool. Felt like you were on top of the world. You know, that God wants us to feel that way. You know what? When I, I I was lucky to just somebody must have told me to get involved right when I got became a Christian, which is not that long ago. Uh, and it's just it, it's it's more than half the church. I mean, that's where you learn more. You you do more. You know, just do a little something. You don't you don't have to do a, you know something that's eight out eight hours a day or something. It's it's just yeah. awesome how they make you. You know, you just feel better. I, at least me. That's me. I love it. Uh, well, right now it's hard because they're not letting me do anything. But. <laughs> yeah. Purpose-driven life, that was all what it was all about. Whatever yeah. you do, if you're doing it unto the Lord, for the Lord, you can change diapers in a nursery. Sure. And, yeah. and do it for the Lord. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Absolutely. Welcome people. That's all you got to do. Stuff Welcome like people. You know, pick up, uh, uh, help, you know, police the auditorium after, between services and pick up trash. Yeah. That's yeah. all those things. Um, parking lot attendants, you know, nursery workers. What's that? <laughs> Rick's still, Rick still pumping there. Rick, I would have had which, a heart attack by now. Which, <laughs> which Bible? You, brother. Which Bible character is was super fit? Gideon. <laughs> Abs. Shalom. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's a, that's a bad a, one. That's got to be a dad joke. It's a bad uh, dad joke. That's okay. He had long, <laughs> he had long hair too, so I didn't. That's right. <laughs> I think I told you about the, uh, uh, I used to, well, one of my jobs at one church was I prepared the, uh, the order of service and everything that happened in the service. And then I would hand it out to the various people that they would get copies of this so that they're, you know, they knew what songs we were doing, what order we were doing them, if there was a video or announcements or the offering or a special number, whatever, and when the, whenever the pastor spoke. And, and if I knew his the title of the message, I would put that into the, the uh, order of service that would be handed out. Now, this was sometimes a little different than what the, uh, uh, if it was in the bulletin, it would be sometimes different than what was in the bulletin because, well, things would change from time to time right near the end. So I can remember one time one of our pastors was preaching on uh, out of Second um, Samuel and uh, was dealing with Absalom and uh, his rebellion against uh, David. And <laughs> and so on, uh, on uh, the senior pastor, the speaking pastor's uh, order of service when I handed it to him, I, I changed the title of his message. And I put on the, the title of the message, uh, Absalom, hair today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> because, of course, he got hung up in the tree and, you know, et cetera, and he got, yeah. he got killed. So, anyhow. Is there, is there a three-dad joke minimum? 
There might be. There might be. And, that, and that's going to be the end of that that joke. I'm looking at our time, and, and while I'd love to go on into to, uh, the dynamic case, I think I'm going to save it because we'll, we're not going to get anywhere near the end yeah, of that. So, you're going to kill Rich. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, if I did, Rich would be uh, Rick would be dying on there if we kept going. <laughs> to give him some loop. respite there. It's a video loop. It's only 10 seconds long. <laughs> what you did rick did you loop that video <laughs> what is dennis he's running Where's that? dennis and uh daryl and gary are up north golfing okay oh, all right uh good news guys uh just to receive notification the bibles are in sicily now good perfect praise the so, lord um um, Tino went through surgery in Romania. Mm -hmm. uh, just in case, uh, just in case. That's why you don't want to be in Italy. In order for him to have what he had, if we go through the so-called social medicine, it will take at least two years before he can have done what he had done. Wow, that's the social medicine in Italy, by the way. He you, had, could uh, you could have paid for it. You paid for your your dental work in, in Sicily out of your pocket. Well, true. Uh, yeah. But that's so. That's <laughs> the. I'm, I'm now. I'm. I'm going to interject with the dynamic fate. The dentist that uh, I went to, I went through a friend that told me about him, and he's already already was involved in um, doing good deeds in the community. And so I share the gospel with them. And every year I will give them the calendar at the end of the year and I will visit with them. Then one day I went for cleaning. He said, can you stay here and tell the people that's good to have the teeth cleaned because people don't do it. They don't want to spend the money. Said, that's no problem for me, you know. <laughs> so when I had the procedure done, it was an emergency procedure, by the way, a brother, an American brother was on base. Uh, he knew and he paid for it for me. I couldn't afford it, you know. So um, I'm doing fine. I never had since coming to the United States a toothache since 1981, by the way. So um, I took the liberty to ask da Daniela if there is any needs. Uh, she sent me a picture of Tino sleeping. He had the three implants and they pulled one tooth. Mm. Um, and she's going for a similar procedure, looks like, today. Mm. So I took the liberty to ask if I can, I didn't say, if I said, if there is any necessity. In that case, I will pray and mm -hmm. ask the Lord, what should I do? So, but that's, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Talking is somebody said talking is cheap. <laughs> yep, that's the point. So, yeah. and uh, just another praise. I, uh, Rick came Thursday, knowing the condition that he feels it was of a blessing to <laughs> me and to others. You know, when we gave uh, the food uh, up there, they kick me out. And, he, and he learned he learned what it, what it, what happens when there's an M on the car. 
<laughs> you know what they did? They put her out in the parking lot all by herself and they walked it out to her. <laughs> they right. don't even get close to us. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. They apparently so, mark the cars. If, they, <laughs> if you're supposed to have a mask on when you deliver stuff to the, the car, it, they did. They did. I, I assume it, I didn't. Well, it always it. helps if if you tell the, the workers what that means. You know. Yeah. And you, you have to forgive me when I speak too much. But I would like all of you to go overseas when we go. That's my well, desire. It's a great trip, and uh, you know, it's not that's expensive. why. You, you'll, you'll have a lot of weight just to say <laughs> go to Italy. No, if you, if you go to with I, what I like about when you go with Giuseppe, you're going to work. I mean, he's not, you know, he, he keeps a, a whip at it on you, but you know, it's not. The purpose of a ministry trip is to obviously is to help minister. Sure, uh, uh, some cases, but you will be a tourist also, it'll be fine. Some cases, just to see, but it, it helps if you can get your hands and you know, get involved in doing something. Sure, the it's problem is. Yeah. So often we go overseas and, and you know, we, we build a, a building for them. Well, you know, in some yeah. cases, they can build the building themselves. Sure. Uh, if they have the funds, you know, and, and maybe it's better if they, if they do. Sometimes what you have to work for you, means more to you than the stuff that you get for free, right? Yeah. You ever notice? <clears throat> I've given stuff to people and it doesn't mean nearly as much at times as it does if they have to work for it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't help them if they're in need, but I'm just saying sure. sometimes we need to make sure that we allow people who are who are where they are and to be able to do um, to do the work of the ministry themselves too. Yeah. All right. Looks like we got a bunch of folks leaving and that's fine. It's time. It's that time. I need to turn off the recording too, by the way.